Welcome to Pushing Through. I am Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by the kid, BJ Armstrong. And today, we have a very special guest. We hear the term pioneer thrown out a lot. This is an actual basketball pioneer. He has a rule by his own name. He is, of course, Mr. Spencer Haywood, a Detroit legend, and we're happy to have you on the program. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Haywood. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I'm such, it's such a pleasure to be here with BJ because we're Detroiters, and, you know, <laughs> So this is a wonderful thing. And then plus what he's doing with the athletes uh, as an agent and so on. So I, I just hate he don't have that job as a <clears throat> at the Bulls there. That's the Detroit in all of us, you know, that's the <laughs> yeah, Detroit. You know? And, yes, you know, I, I, I first, you know, I, and thank you again for coming on. And when I say a legend and someone that – I looked up to Mr. Haywood and my parents, if I called you Spencer, my parents would call <laughs> me right now. I can't do that out of respect. My father and my grandfather would talk about you from Detroit Persian. They would talk yeah. about this young player named Spencer Haywood and it was required knowledge to know your story. And uh, I'm so happy, so proud your story it was one of the most remarkable stories I've ever heard. And we all, all of us, you know, whether they are aware of it or not, your story. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> I just want to let you share your story. Detroit Pershing, University of Detroit, the numbers speak for themselves. And I just have to turn it over and say, Mr. Haywood, thank you. And however you want to start, you can start. Okay, well, it started in this little town in Silver City, Mississippi, population of 300. And uh, Will Robertson, who was a great coach at Persian High School in Detroit, uh, my brother had brought me up to Detroit to play for the summer and show my wares. And Will Robertson says, oh my God, if I can get this guy, and can he run and can he play, you know? And so we went out to Cronk, you know, the outdoor courts and where we had the outside uh, exhibitions. And we had the high schools, we had the colleges and the universities, and then we had the pro games. And so I played in the first, the high school game with, against George Trapp, all of those guys who were, who were like high school players. And I, and I had like about 27 and 26 rebounds. And so everybody was like, whoa, where did he come from? And, that, and I said, I came from the cotton field, Mississippi. <laughs> and and I'm, pro, I'm here for, I, I did hard work, you know. I, I, I did real hard work on, on the farm. And so the next game they allowed me to play in was against Bill Buntins, uh, Oliver Darden, Cassie Russell, all of those guys from the University of Michigan, Michigan State, and the University of Detroit, Eastern Michigan. So I played against those guys, and I got about 17 and six. And then they said, oh, he, he this is just some phenomenal. This guy is just having – he's not this good. Let's see what he do against the pros. And the next round I played against Dave Bing and – and Jimmy Walker, you know, uh, Jalen Rose's father. Right, uh, right. All of those guys. And, and, and I did real well. And uh, so Dave Bing says, well, I'm going to watch you. I'm going to make sure. So he told my brother, don't worry about it. I got him. 
and I'll take care of him too, along with Will Robinson. Will Robinson was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? This would be the first time that the, the city of Detroit could win a state championship in 35 years because we had a 35 year drought. And uh, lo and behold, they moved me downtown and I was out of the district for the, for Persian High School. Right. And then they moved me over to Seven Mile where I, where I was uh, introduced to the Bell family and both Will Robinson and the Bells adopted me and and then we started playing basketball in the Persian, man. And we went all the way through everything. We had Ralph Simpson on that team. Yes. Glenn yes. Dowdy, Marvin Lane, guys who played other sports who played professional. And Glenn Dowdy, he was with the Baltimore Ravens uh, later on. Marvin Lane played with uh, the Tigers. And then Ralph and I played with, of course, in the NBA and in the ABA. And then we won that championship. And oh my God, it was like the city just erupted. It was such a beautiful atmosphere and, and everybody, we got it, we got it. We brought it back to Detroit. And then uh, right away I had, I was being recruited by the University of Tennessee because I wanted my mom to see me play because she had never seen me play and she was still in Mississippi. And so I signed with the University of Tennessee and that's when uh, the big boys at Kentucky and everywhere were saying, well, no, no, how could you get him? I thought I had the first black because <laughs> prior to to me signing with the University of Tennessee, they had um, uh, just lost, Kentucky had just lost to five blacks the first time in, in NC2A history. At UTEP, right? University UTEP, of Kentucky. UTEP, yeah, yep. and led by another Detroiter, Bobby Joe Hill. Right, right, yeah. right, right, yes. Holland Park, yes. yeah. And so uh, the trouble started and everybody was thinking I should go to Kentucky. And I was like, but I signed with Tennessee. And Will Robinson came down and said, yeah, well, that's okay. We're going to send you another place. We're going to take you to this junior college on the border, I mean, in close to Denver, close to Albuquerque, you're gonna have a lot of fun. So we get in the car, we flew all the way from, from Tennessee to, to uh, Denver, and then we get in the, the car and we drive in for like four hours. I'm like, how is this close to Denver? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so we get out of the car, it's a little small thing, small place out in, out in Colorado. And, and we just started balling and just start, and I could get my, my, my studies up. I picked up my grades and I had to be average in my freshman year. And in that same year, and I think about it, how the Lord works, you know, because if I had went to a major university, this next episode of my life would not have happened because you couldn't play as a freshman back then. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's not right. Play as a what year are we talking like 1967, 68. Now we're okay, in 68. Okay. And guess what? Just coming up now, the 68 Olympics. Mm -hmm. And so right, all of a right. sudden you had Elvin Hayes who signed his pro contract because you had to be an amateur. So he signed his pro contract. Wes Unsell signed his pro contract. So they were null and void. And then Kareem says, well, you know, I think I'm going to boycott the 68 Olympics. And then, all right, so here come the Olympic team. Let's hear about, because I was the junior college player of the year. Let's see what he's got. Let's bring him down to Albuquerque with the big boys. 
<laughs> and I was, I just turned 19. I was 19 years old. So I'm going in here. Yeah, who we got? And they had all of the guys, some of the Bulls, Tom Bullwinkle, all those guys, Bob Lanier, Pete Maverich. Uh, uh, oh, God, it was just so many players down there. And I killed them because I had been playing with Dave Bing and all of the Pistons. So going to a tryout at the Olympics and then Hank Ibers said, hey, he's the coach of the Olympic team. Mm -hmm. Hey, boy, don't you get hurt now. We depend. <laughs> this country is dependent on you to to you know to bring back this gold, and so I kind of like knew everything was happening around me, and then all of a sudden they made the announcement, and the first player pick was me. And I was like, oh, so the biggest problem now is, what about the passport? Because we have to go to Russia and to Finland and to Yugoslavia to play exhibitions and then we come back to New York. I didn't have a passport. And so they uh, got in touch with Will and Will flew down and it was like, Will, what are, what are we gonna do with this, with this guy with the passport, you know? And Will, oh, I got it. I got a passport for you, I'll get one. So he, called, <laughs> he calls my mother. We had to go to the store to get the phone because you know we didn't have no phone in Mississippi. And, when they called her, and she said, yes, I got a, I got this birth certificate right here. And it was like, well, can't you like send it up? She said, oh no, my Bible do not leave my side, <laughs> honey. Wow. Now, honey, you want to get, you want to get his birth certificate. It's written right here in the Bible under John 21. And they were like, you don't have a birth certificate? No, the Bible is the birth certificate. And so we had to fly to Jackson, Mississippi, they had to shoot the stuff. And I eventually got my birth certificate. And then we were off to Russia, to Yugoslavia. Then we came back into the States and we played against the New York Knicks. We beat them. And that's when everybody was Howard Cosell. Well, I think we got them. We think we got something here. And we had Jojo White and Charlie Scott, all those guys on the mm. team too. Wow. And so wow. we then we, we played against Willis and Clyde and Earl and all those guys. They are wow. just you know, champions, you know. And you're like I 19, had, 20 years old. You're like 19. No, I was 19. 19. 19. I hadn't, you know, I, that, that just happened all over these, this period. And so then we went down to Cincinnati and we played against Oscar Robertson and all mm. those guys at, at the Cincinnati Royals. And then uh, Oscar called me over to the side and then we sit and talk. And he said, you know what? You're going to be all right. We're going to win this thing. I, I didn't think we had enough to do it. And, and then we went off to Mexico City. And then we get into Mexico City. And then we got Harry, Dr. Harry Edwards. We got Tommy Smith, John Carlos. We have wow. all of the turmoil that's going on. That's and, and I'm like... God, I just want to play basketball and, and win this, this gold medal, you know? And we all was like hanging out, Tommy and John and all of us. And I, I hung mostly with George Foreman because George Foreman and I <laughs> were the two youngest guys, right? Oh and we're thinking, man, we're going to eat these boys out of a house and home. Look at all of this food they got laid out. <laughs> so every day, George come knocking on my door. Come on, man, we got to go eat. 
because we were the 219 and we were like be eating and just did you have the george foreman grill i gotta ask did he have the grill back then did george <laughs> foreman have the grill back then? he was just like me we were both <laughs> <laughs> so we would eat and everything and so when they had the the big uh um meeting to see who and what if there's going to be any trouble or anything they had Jesse Owens come in. They had Wilma Rudolph and Martin Luther King had sent a note in saying, I do not wish to ask you guys to, to get here to the Olympics and boycott. So they, they had us all in the room <laughs> and we we're talking. And, and then Jesse Owens came in and he was like, let me tell y'all something. All sitting around here talking about boycotting and everything, and he looked at Tommy and John and looked at us on the basketball team because we had gotten a lot of praise at that time. And he says, "How would you think you would have competed with Hitler sitting in the stand?" Mm. And we were like, "All righty then. I guess this meeting is over. <laughs> we're not boycotting. We're not doing anything. We just want to go and and do our thing." And that was the, the turning point. So then when we played and, and Tommy and John finally got a chance to, to run in the big race and we all were, you know, like, cause you had to back then, BJ, you had to be a part of the fans because we didn't have fans on the other soil. So the whole team would come and watch every, every event. So first Bob Beeman jumped over the pit he set a record of 28.9 or something on a long jump. And we were like, oh, man, that altitude is great for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tommy and John finished their race, and they walked up on the podium, and they put the glove up, you know. And then all of a sudden, they escorted them out of the out of the grounds in which the, you know, the arena, I mean, all of the stuff that everything was setting on. And you got to so go. You was in the arena when that actually, you were right there. When yeah, yeah, we was on the field. Wow. Yeah, because you, yeah, yeah. So, and then they came to me and that's when Will Robinson says, all right, don't bother my boy like that. Don't be, don't be trying to get him to do anything. And then we were like joking, like, you know, basketball players can't put on a glove because our hands are so big, you know? Right, right. So it was like, <laughs> and lo and behold, we got around to the finals and we, we were, we were getting ready to play the finals and Howard Cosell finally got me in a, in a corner and he was like, well, do you know how many people are watching you around the world? And I'm like, well, make sure they see it in Mississippi and in Detroit. So, <laughs> so, so, so he said, but if you lose, you won't be able to go back to Detroit. Oh man, why did you put that load on me? And then we, we go out and start warming up and everything. We start playing in the final game and it hit me. Oh my God, I'm in the middle of this big deal here. So you could see me running up in the finals of the Olympics. I run straight to the locker room, throw up, come back on the floor, and then we won the gold medal. And the beautiful thing about it is when, we, wow. when I, I was thinking that Detroit, man, they're going to be like mad at me saying, what, you, what did you do? You didn't protest. You didn't do anything. I landed at Metro. And BJ, it was so beautiful. All those people came out, man, for the, 
to watch the plane come in and I came in and man, the, the mayor, the governor and everybody was like, you know, wow. And the city, man, was like rocking, like, yeah, our boy did it. The cotton picker. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was that was my Olympic experience. And then, you know, of course, the following year, I decided not to go to UCLA or to go any other place because the governor and the city, we had had a riot in Detroit. 68, and, right. Yeah, so they asked me, you know, come home and play at the University of Detroit. We're gonna give Will Robinson the first, make him the first black coach in NC2A history if you come. They get me there, we do everything and do everything right. And they uh, changed their mind and said, we got you and we gonna, you got two more years here. You don't wanna transfer because you, you do this. And, and then the ABA was like knocking saying, wait a minute here. We missed out on Kareem, and Kareem and I were the two best players in college. So they said, well, let's try to break this rule so we can take down the NBA if we bring in younger guys. Mm -hmm. And so they, they recruited me and said, hey, you know, you want to play in the ABA? And I was like, you're going to pay me too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to play. And they gave me this contract, and I went out and started playing. and. They said, well, you know, if you get five, seven points and five rebounds, maybe this will be the gamut that we will use in order to attract all the players like Julius Irvin, George Irvin, all the guys who followed me to the ABA. This is what we're going to use. So that year in the ABA, I knocked out 30 points and 20 rebounds for 82. Wow. And, <laughs> and wow. in the playoffs, in the playoffs, I brought down 37 and 20 in the playoffs. First 12 games I played in my playoffs. That's in the playoffs. It's in the playoffs. That's in the playoffs. So when they say Luca and those guys did all these things, they just skip over my stuff. It doesn't. <laughs> because, you know, the NC2A, and then the following year, I decided to jump to the NBA, and the NBA said, Oh no, we're not gonna allow this stuff happening here. So what we're going to do is we gonna serve you with an injunction so that you can't play in the NBA. And they served me with an injunction saying that you cannot play in the NBA. And and I was like, I want to play. And Sam Schumann, the owner of the of the of the Seattle Supersonics and some of the other rebel owners who wanted to stay low profile was like, we got to battle with the ABA. So let's support him and they supported me financially and uh, uh we i sued them i sued the nba for the rights to play and then the nc2a came out of their, their cover you're not destroying my the nc2a four-year rule like this right and then the aba sued me and then the university of detroit said well he owes us for two years because he he left <laughs> <laughs> so i was in the middle of all of these lawsuits my goodness and then I get ready to go out on the floor of a game that, you know, cause I had been out for 10 days and then with right. the injunction. And then I get ready to go out on the floor and they said, I mean, I'm on the floor getting ready to play. And they're like, microphone, ladies and gentlemen, we got an illegal player on the floor, number 24. <laughs> and we have an injunction right here. And he must be escorted out of the arena and off the grounds. And so there I was again. Outside on the outside looking in. And so, so, 
I gotta ask you a question. I, I mean, I, I'm fast. Sorry, I'm still you, I'm legend, still Yeah, yeah. Legend, <laughs> legend has it that you stood outside in your warm up in uniform for the entire time when they escorted you off to work. Is that, is that true? I've always wanted that's to ask very, you. That is so true because it, it happened many times now where the injunction came in. And once we was up in Cincinnati and it was snow outside, they said, well, we're going to break his spirit tonight. So they got an injunction and they escorted me out. And normally I sat on the bus or something and wait, but they said this particular time he must stand out in, out into the snow. So that's where I stood out in the snow. And we had some, some pretty good uh, policemen who were enforcing the, the, uh, you know, the injunction. So they were like, get in the car and let's sit here for a while, warm up and go stand back out. And so it was just cat and mouse because they had people from their legal team looking at me and saying, well, you know, if you do it, if you violate this violation, he's out. But I stood out there in the, in the snow and finally, we go all year long, and then the case run from the lower courts to the district court in California. And then when we got to the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., at the big boys, and, and Will Robinson came up with another one. He was like, you know, I helped Jackie Robinson back in the day because right. they had to help Jackie with his yeah. period. And they said, Thurgood Marshall going to be like your best friend. So he's going to influence the courts to let you play. And sure enough, when they had down the decision that I could play under the Sherman Antitrust Act, that uh, you cannot stop a man from making a living or a woman from making a living if they are over 18. And that's what's like, wow, the burden was off of me. I won the case. But all of a sudden, I wasn't accepted by the NBA because they had told the older heads, the older players, man, this guy here gets you know, this case settled. You're going to drive out all of the young players. I mean, drive out all of all you old guys are done. We're going to just have young guys coming in. So they had a little bit of an upset. And, and then I get to Milwaukee, and Kareem came out of the locker room, but normally they sit in the locker room and wait. Kareem came out, come on up, man, everybody, let's play. And Lucius Allen, all them guys are like, come on, see what you got. So we put on a show that night, and that's when all of the Players Association and the players said, all right, it's cool, let's play. And because they had, um, the legal team had explained to the Players Association, man, we only got 14 teams in the NBA at this time. And if this guy can pan out to be great, we're gonna expand to more teams, more jobs, everything. And so Oscar and everybody like, yeah. <laughs> so that's how we started with the whole expansion thing. And that's how that whole case came down. And I'm just so grateful, you know, because one of the things that they have done for years because I did sue the NBA and the NC tour and everything. What happened was that uh, they never put my name on the ruling. Whereas with right. the Oscar Robinson rule, they give it, they gave his name on the ruling. And, and with Larry Bird rule, which is a modified version of my ruling, they gave Larry Bird his ruling. Mm -hmm. But my ruling has never been settled in the sense that they were giving me my name on it. And so Adam Silver and uh, Michelle Roberts are now uh, addressing the players and Black Lives Matter that 
this name should be on this ruling because it's the only ruling that is the Supreme Court is Haywood versus the NBA. And I don't like that because I don't even versus the NBA. So just give it to Spencer Haywood rule. And thus, that's what the new book by Mark Spears and Gary Washburn, we just finished that. So that book is coming out next month. And the name of it is the Spencer Haywood rule. Mm. So Michelle and Adam, and we all are working to try to get this name implemented and I don't like to interfere, interfere with these young players today because, you know, they're in the middle of that bubble. Mm-hmm. And I just love what they have done with themselves down there and what they've done because, you know, some of us old heads look at them like, man, they're putting it all on the line. Right. Your health, your wellness, your family. And they're putting it on the line. And they plan, PJ. Yeah. These boys are playing ball, man. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> playing ball, y'all. I'm telling all y'all, these boys are balling, straight <laughs> out balling. I have not seen. Now, I've been around basketball from the beginning. And being that I was there in 1970 until now, ain't nothing like this. We can talk about all of the guys. Y'all team was was, was was something, but you were not in a bubble or not like putting it all on the line in the middle of a pandemic and all of this stuff. So I am just, I'm choked just thinking about how much that has happened. And so I was talking with uh, some of the young guys in, in the NBA and they were like, well, what do you mean? What did you do for me? in terms of my salaries and my stuff. So I had to explain that, okay, a guy like, I hate to use his name because he don't like me doing it, but I'm going to do it again. <laughs> <It's LeBron. laughs> so he came out of high school. He got four extra years in to play. And at 40 million a year, that's mm-hmm. a lot of money. That's about mm-hmm. 180. Right. <laughs> Add on. Mm-hmm. And the stats that he had, because if he had to wait for four years, the stats would have been a lot less different. And so Michael Jordan, all of those players, they have those accumulated uh, effects. And for the NBA owners, at the time of my case, the NBA teams were worth 250, 250 million, 300 million, there and about. And now they're worth 2 billion. And we got the expansion uh, from 14 to 30. Mm. So uh, I'm getting calls from uh, Rick Welch down in uh, Golden State, the Golden and the Milwaukee owners. He's talking to me, Tom. Going, hey, like we kind of owe you, don't we? <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> yes. But you know, uh, the young players think that I am asking them for a large amount of money or numbers and stuff. I'm asking for two pennies from their contract, two pennies, two pennies. And it's going into my foundation so we can continue to contribute and do the things that we need to do to uh, mental health because I had mental health because I had to go through all of this stuff and I just, I lost it for a minute, but I had to get the help that I needed to come to reality. I mean, I was never broken down and just was mm-hmm. out of it. But, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I, I dabbled for a minute with the drugs and that took me for a spin. But, I, you know, I've had my sobriety now. This is my 30th year. 
Fabulous. Uh, Fabulous. So I, I mean, I got my daughters all graduated and they are doctors and educators. Uh, been married to my wife for 30 years. And then uh, in 2015, the NBA decided to take me off the blacklist and let me, <laughs> and I was nominated into the Hall of Fame. I passed and Charles Barkley said, you're not going in alone. That's right. So he came to my ceremony. Lenny Wilkins came to my ceremony. Uh -huh. And Bill Walton, Bill Walton and I used to play against each other up in Portland and Seattle. So we had a lot of, you know, right. so those guys came. And then endorsement from David Stern and everyone else that I had fought so hard against. <laughs> they all were there. It was just, it's just been a magnificent life, man. And right now there's a, a movie out that's on um, Amazon. It's called Full Court, the Spencer Hayward story. And then we got the book coming now. And uh, life is good, life is good. And I, I'm watching the best basketball I've ever seen. I just watched you guys and your story, the yeah, last dance. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, man, I live to see it all. Yeah, you, you've, see, you've seen it all. You, you've, you, when they say a full life, You've lived a full life, my friend. You, you, yeah, you've seen yeah. it all. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, Nitsa. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the U.S. die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet too. You could get arrested and incur huge legal expenses. You could possibly even lose your job. So what can you do to prevent drunk driving? Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking. Designate a sober driver or call a taxi or Uber. If someone you know has been drinking, take their keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home. We all know the consequences of driving drunk, but one thing's for sure. You're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. Back to Spencer Haywood. And I'm 71. I got great help. I work out. I eat right. I do right. I pray. Uh, and life is great. And so uh, I like what you're doing. Thank you. Life is great. And uh, just to do some, uh, for people that don't know all the accolades across your whole journey as you mapped it out there. I mean, the ABA, you go there, you win the Rookie of the Year and the MVP. And that's the same year, folks, uh, in case you're in keeping and up with it. And the MVP of the All-Star Game. And the MVP of the All-Star Game. <laughs> and the scoring title, correct? And the scoring title and the rebounding title. And the rebounding title. So th this is what Spencer Haywood on the basketball court was doing at the time. I mean, the rule speaks for itself. Uh, well, also, yes, go let ahead. Let me just back up for a second. You know, I set the scoring record, the rebounding record, and the shot blocking record for the Olympics. Yes. Right. Yeah. You, you the most – you. You were you were the 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 MVP. What do they call it? Most uh, what do they call it? Yeah, it was the most valuable player. In most, the most, yeah. But also, uh, my record stood for forty four years as the most points in the Olympic singing Olympic until Kevin Durant got me with them threes. Yeah, <laughs> threes. <laughs> we didn't have no threes, so he bust me out. And then at the University of Detroit, I averaged thirty three and 23 20, boards yeah. there in Division One, so that was a record, too. I was just a young phenom, you know, that came out of this cotton field where hard work mm. was just... And then they were going, like, 
feed me and let me play basketball? Are you guys crazy? I died yeah. with the heaven, boy. Yeah. I just want to ask like a question. So you mm -hmm. come to Detroit and for those, you know, who don't know, Will Robinson is like, he's a legend. And when I growing up in Detroit, I mean, everyone just knew Will and yeah. Will had stories. And when you say just a beautiful person and when I, when I got done playing, he was still scouting and doing work for the Pistons. Yeah, and yeah. He, he would just take me under his wing and he was just the he was just the best of the best That's my question that. yeah 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 i mean he's he's and he would always share the stories especially your story with all of us but the question i have for you is where did you learn to play like was this just a natural gift i mean were you playing in mississippi gift. or what have you yeah it was a natural gift but uh you know it's I have a bunch of brothers and sisters, so we were, it was nine of us, so okay. <laughs> large family. So my mother says, you know, you boys, since you're not going to be working in the fields this day and y'all always getting into trouble going and playing out in the river so you can have a basketball hoop put up. So we, we got a barrel rim because we didn't have no money, so we had to create this basketball rim. So we got a barrel rim, put it on a backboard, and we didn't have money to buy basketball, so we had uh, a sack full of cotton and different things. And you would imagine you would say bop, 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 and you pass it to the next person. You could only take two bops unless you were my brother Andrew, who was a bully. He took three. <laughs> so we started playing. You're very young, you know, just playing just for fun, the activity of, of doing That's it. your introduction to the game of basketball. That's your introduction. That's my intro right there. The ball didn't bounce. Wow. It was all in your head. I mean, it's all, it was all in your head and you had to do it like that. But the beautiful thing about it, the basket was very big. <laughs> and you shoot it up on the backboard, it just fall, boom, right in. And so we just started playing and playing. And then we got a real basketball. We would travel from town to town and, and put up the rim on, on the highway or wherever we were. And we just played because we had downtime um, in Mississippi. So when the, when the crops were down, and so we just played and played and played. And all of a sudden it hit me that I was like this player. And I was like, I don't know where it's coming from. And then I was growing and then I grew out of my body. <laughs> and then I couldn't play <laughs> because I grew six inches over a summer, you know, some weird number and I couldn't, my coordination was gone. And then it came right back and, and I just, I just love basketball. I love watching it. I love playing it. I love talking about it. Yeah, basketball is something special. And, and mm -hmm. okay, you, you've—I I always love speaking to the people that I admired and grew up. And I, because you've seen it all, right? And yeah. you know, I, you see, I have Kareem and Wilt, and I—I I just love all of the older players and and what you guys accomplished because there was no YouTube and all of those things. But you've seen the transformation of the game. Yeah. Like, like who are, who are, I'm not the greatest. I don't know if there's a greatest player, but who yeah. are some of the players like yourself and the Elgin Baylors and the Oscar Robinsons and the Bill Russell, Jerry like, West, Jerry West. And like, just tell me, like, just tell me overall, like where are all of this 
is there i mean you see today on the talking heads who's the greatest of all time yeah, yeah. but where does this game because you've seen it you played it you've watched it now you're watching the lebron james era you're watching Kawhi leonard and Giannis and all of these players how 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 do you categorize the game and these wonderful players that we've all you know you and i in particular had a chance yeah. to play against and play in that league yeah well you know wilt was there at the first in terms of a dominant player and of course bill russell and the celtics were the dominant team they were the winners. They were showing you how to win, how to do everything. And then you had Elgin Baylor, who was this phenom. He was like um, the Dr. J of, of our era that you saw. And then you had Jerry West, who is like, uh, like a Kawhi, but a, a little smaller. And then you have the Skyhook mm. came on the scene with the drums beating in the background with that sky hook and, and just a terrific player because, you know, he had won in high school. Right. He won in college. <laughs> uh, he won in the pros. Mm -hmm. And so that was another beat. And then here come Michael. And that was like, oh, my God. This guy is like playing on another level. He's doing all of these incredible things. And, and that era... There were some serious dogs in the NBA. Right, 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 right. right. I'm talking about ooh, 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 dogs. Right, yeah, yeah, right. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you had to get through the Pistons, you had to get through the Celtics, you had to. I mean, go you had Magic, you had Bird, yeah, I mean. Man, so that whole period. And then you, you round it out and you, and you look at what's going on today with LeBron James, uh, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I love Luca. Yeah, Lucas. Watch and go, man. Yeah, he can. Yeah, he, he can. can go. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. I'm yeah. telling you, in any era, yes. he can go. Right. So there's a lot of these young players. I don't know how you, you know, if you're doing a Mount Rushmore, I would think, well, you know, I would, um, I would stick Kareem, Michael, and then I would put LeBron and – I'm just trying to find that last one that I can put up there because this thing is not over yet. Right. Mm. So mm. I'm going to leave it with three. <laughs> <laughs> the drama. I love it. I love yeah. it. So I'm going to add more so you can yeah. bring it back you again. Can, you can still I'll earn a spot. You can still earn a spot on Spencer Haywood's Mount Rushmore. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, man. Well, uh, we could talk to you all day. Hey, I just wanted to say what you've done in my life and all of the players, but most importantly to the game, you know, you are the best. I love you. And I can't imagine what you had to go through as mm -hmm. a 19, 20 year old. I can't imagine it, but I just want to thank you. Thank and you. What you've meant to all of us who played this game, whether we know it or not, you are the best, my friend, and um, I love you. And you just mean so much to all of us for one going more, through that. One more thing. Just remind the players, because there's been a lot of rumors and stuff about he wants 20% of your salary and everything. Two pennies. $10,000. <laughs> Michelle Roberts said, well, you know, we can just take it out of their membership dues, the 10,000 and y'all and, and donate it to your foundation. So it's all cool. But
but never I was never impeding upon those players for their money. It was just two pennies. Well, we need your two cents in the world, Mr. Haywood, and we appreciate you. you sharing it on this program and joining us on Pushing Through, and uh, we really enjoyed it, and we'd love to have you come back and talk about the, the game today and, and what we're watching the bubble. Anytime. Yeah, well, you come back anytime. Anytime. Okay. Anytime. You, 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 well, anytime. Mark Spears and I want to come back because I spoke to him, and we were like talking about, yeah, we got to come back. The Spencer well, Haywood anytime. rule. Anytime. And great. Good luck on the book. Good luck on everything. You're looking great, and uh, I love the shirt. Where can I get one of those shirts at? I love the uh, <laughs> You got to have – you know, have the plug. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you got to average like 30 and 25 to get one of those shirts. Well, you know, <laughs> all right. My proud of you, bro. Okay. Proud of you too. Be well. Be well.